0: Hello, hello. Welcome to the very first episode of the Best Days podcast, where we get to hear life stories from VNA Hospice friends and family. My name is Erica Kirkus, and I'm the Volunteer Services Coordinator and We Honor Veterans Program Coordinator at VNA Hospice of Northwest Indiana. Today, I'm talking to VNA Hospice volunteers and military veterans John Gorsky and Jim Atkinson about their experiences in the military and life afterwards. I hope you enjoy this conversation as much as I did. We have John Gorski with us today and Jim Atkinson. Welcome gentlemen.
1: Thank you. Glad to be here. You Thank you.
0: So let's get started um, by just telling us um, your a little bit of your um, military background. Um, what branch of the military did you serve and ERA and things like that. John, did you want to go first?
2: Oh, uh, Sure. Um, I was in the army. Um, and I went through ROTC, so I was a second lieutenant when I joined the Army. And the roles that I had uh, platoon leader, uh, mess officer, um, company commander one time, and those are basically the uh, roles that I had.
1: And I was in the Marine Corps for two years, 1966 through 1968. I enlisted, it was voluntary, of course. Um, I was attending Purdue University and I completed one my freshman year. And then enlisted uh, because of what was going on uh, in Vietnam. I wanted to do my part to um, raise a family and live in um, the greatest country in in the world. I went to boot camp course out in San Diego and uh, did infantry training at Camp Pendleton. Um, we were, we were going to go overseas, and they sent me to Defense Language Institute School in Monterey, California, where I spent 13 uh, weeks there learning Vietnamese how to read, write, and speak it. So I did become a uh, interpreter, interrogator. I went overseas, but my primary MOS was a, a machine gunner and. Uh, when I did get sent over to Vietnam, via uh, Hawaii and Okinawa, um, I was a machine gunner for six weeks in the infantry platoon company. And then um, they were starting a, a new program called the chu uh, Hawaii program, which is um, the Kit Carson scouts were in charge of that. And that's the um, unit I was placed in uh, as being in, in, in responsible and, and uh, uh, in charge of 12 Marines and 12 XBC or NVA. And what we did was try to collect uh, uh, intelligence going out in the villages uh, to go ahead and take back to uh, division and regiment um, levels uh, so that we, they could make in appropriate uh, military decisions about uh, operations and missions. So I enjoyed that and... Uh, uh, 12 loyal friends, uh, not only Marines, but also the uh, NVA that had um, switched over to our side so that uh, they earned money for their family could take care of them. Um, came back to the States after my uh, 13 months there and was placed in a, um, a company out in Quantico, uh, Virginia. And uh, we were involved with uh, uh, a lot of racial tension and race riots at that time, and we were on uh, military uh, standby. And quite often we'd be sent up to Washington, D.C. or uh, Georgetown area to go ahead and uh, kind of break up and quell uh, riots uh, with riot gear and everything like that. So it was a time in, in our life in uh, the summer of 1968 that was very volatile and something I'll always remember and I um, was um, going to enlist, but the reason I didn't after two years was that uh, there was an order overseas given uh, by Johnson and McNamara saying that you couldn't carry the live round in your chamber unless you were fired upon and you had to keep your weapon on safety, safety even in the field. And I couldn't give that order, I couldn't obey it. So I knew at that point that I, I didn't belong in the Marine Corps at that point. So it's the reason I left, but uh, certainly enjoyed my military service.
0: Thank
2: you. Yes, uh, I was also at Purdue University. And uh, one night uh, my roommate and I stayed up, spent the whole day talking about what we were gonna do. He joined the Peace Corps and he had it a lot rougher than I did. He went to Morocco and spent two years over there. Um, I was in, uh, as I said, ROTC, and I spent all my time stateside. So I was at uh, Fort Benning, Georgia, and uh, a lot of red clay down there. And then I was over in Fort Sill, Oklahoma, working on artillery. So um, that was an experience, too. And then uh, from there, um, went to... I was rifted out of the Army. This, you know, Vietnam was just winding down, so they didn't need any more officers, they said. So I thought I was home free. However, then they drafted me into the reserves. In the reserves, I went to um, La Porte, Indiana, and uh, it was actually Kingsbury, and it was a armored personnel unit. And uh, that was a lot of fun because we'd go out and float around on the on the on the lakes out there with uh, eight armored personnel carriers and after that it was switched over to uh, five ton trucks so we were doing that also but um, then i did not re-enlist i wasn't going to go for the 20 years and so that's where i'm at right now
0: you both have some very interesting um stories from your from your time in the military, uh, what do you what do you remember about the day that either you were enlisted or the day that you were drafted? What do you remember about that day?
2: Um, not a whole lot. Just you know, as far as you know, joining the ROTC uh, at that time, it was great because uh, I was at school Purdue, and uh, we were actually getting money, so that was my spending money doing our for ROTC so that I enjoyed but mm-hmm. uh, as far as the service is concerned had a great time uh, I was all stateside so met uh, lots of different people from all over the country and um, all walks of life so it was a great experience
1: for me I remember um, that uh The enlistment uh, and our swearing-in took place in Chicago. And uh, I always remember uh, they had a stand in detention for the swearing-in ceremony. And they asked us to go ahead and take our dominant hand, put it up in the air with our index finger, and uh, do this. And everybody could go ahead and uh, raise and lower their index finger. And they said, great, you'll be um, just fine in the military here. So I always remember that. And then, of course, um, didn't know a whole lot about what was going to happen and uh, anxious and, and in a hurry to find out, of course, uh, being you know our age, much younger. But I always remember uh, taking the plane out to San Diego and a bus ride to uh, the um, Recruit Depot there in uh, San Diego and how dramatic it was to to be uh, in boot camp. So we'll always remember that for the rest of our
0: life. Before your time in the military, um, what were your perceptions of the military before you experienced it?
2: Uh, my father was in the, in the service, so he was uh, World War II. So he was over in Lausanne, Um and he didn't actually do any fighting. He was in charge of the uh, prisoners there. And so I had a pretty good idea of going into the service, what it was going to be like. He would, you know, tell stories of uh, what it was like for him uh, going through basic and things like this. And to me, once I got in, not a whole lot had changed as far as you know the physical activity and uh, what you had to do and what kind of people you're going to run into. This is doesn't matter. He says there's going to be good people, bad people, and uh, they're all there, but um, you'll, you'll learn to, to uh, deal with everyone there.
0: Good life advice.
1: I also um, am proud of my father. He was in the Navy and he served in World War II in the Pacific. And I had a grandfather that served in World War One in the European theater. So um, I wanted to go ahead and be part of that military um, History and heritage, and uh, I uh, encourage everyone that hears this uh, interview to go ahead and ask your loved one, whether it's you know uh, male or female, to go ahead and share uh, some of their experiences about their military uh, life um, because once they are gone, um, there's no uh, going back and trying to gain that information something I regret not talking to my father more about. So. Um,
2: that's one thing that I enjoy now, as far as talking to vets. Um, I, as far as a lot of experiences during World War Two, for instance, um, got to talk to one guy that uh, was under Omar Bradley. Uh, he also knew Patton. Um, it's just, you know, and all these people are, are not going to be around for too much longer, mm-hmm. but it was just it's really a great experience uh, to find out, you know, what it was really like. Um, and finding it was just a lot of fun, it really is. And um, when I talk to them, it's every branch of the service is involved, you've got people from uh, the army, navy, coast guard and um they all have their stories to tell and uh, that's one of the reasons i got involved as far as the vna is concerned uh one of my closest friends the one had been in uh with omar uh, bradley and then he went over into korea so he was a full-time uh in the army and I came to visit him one day and he was actively passing and I had no idea. I just felt so inadequate being there and not being able to say a word. Uh, what could I say to him that's going to make it, you know, his passing better? Mm-hmm. And so that's the reason I joined the DNA. But what I found out was that all we can do is just be there for them. And whatever they want to talk about, there's no magic words. It's whatever they would like to do and whatever they'd like to say. That's what I took away from the DNA. Mm-hmm. So it was sort of a selfish thing that I joined the DNA. Mm-hmm. Thank you.
0: I always like to tell people that hospice volunteer training is really just good life training because that you, you get to learn about... Just how to be present with people at the end of their life, which is um, something that we should all be able to have someone with us. So. so how do you think that your military service changed you?
1: I think back and uh, I know that uh, being in combat, it, uh, it definitely uh, made you uh, more Aware and uh, appreciative of how uh, short life can be, and to go ahead and uh, you know make the most of every day that uh, you're given uh, because of the uh, ones that don't have that opportunity. So that's what kind of drives me and asks me to uh, reach out and help people at the end of their life, and also help children and make a difference at the beginning of their life. So uh, I think about. How important that is to go ahead and uh, have that fulfillment and uh, that um, um, you know duty more or less that calls uh, all of us to go ahead and, and uh, help others and uh, and volunteer. So I think that you know when I look back at my military service, it has uh, made me more appreciative of the brevity of life, of course. It has also given me the uh, opportunity to, uh, share with others, um, you know, um, uh, some of the uh, life experiences that, uh, um, uh, you know, we all need to go ahead and recognize we all have certain gifts and talents. And I think that we all need to use them to make life better for those that are uh, less fortunate and, uh, need, uh, you know, help sometimes. So that's, uh, one of the reasons I'm that I'm newly uh, a volunteer here. I'm looking forward to working with the staff and and uh, helping those that uh, uh, need to go ahead and tell their life story. Uh, you know, at this time in their life. Mm-hmm. Um,
2: the biggest thing for me in as far as getting along with it, as far as getting out of the service, and once I got into back into. Um, civilian life was being able to talk to other people and um, know that all people, you know, we're all together as far as um, we all have fears we, and we, all, we think that, you know, someone doesn't have any problems, but everybody has problems. Everybody has fears. Everybody has you know, things that uh, make them laugh, make them cry. And we just have to tap into that stuff um,
0: mm-hmm. uh,
2: in order to make the life better for everyone.
0: Mm-hmm. Just speaking of that, of different types of people, Um, Can you describe for us some of the friends you made while you were serving?
2: Okay, this one might be edited, but I will bring it off. Okay. Okay. (laughs) Um, I was in uh, Fort Benning, Georgia, and it was hotter than heck in Fort Benning, Georgia, and we were doing a bivouac, and uh, we were out in the field for, I think, like a week, and everybody was really, really ripe and uh, latrines outside latrines and uh, i went to the latrine and sitting there and there's no toilet paper anywhere and um the guy next door to me uh or excuse me in the hole right next to me and he reached down took out a knife cut his uh, underwear in half and offered me half so I don't know what can I say about sharing. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so.
1: Well, some of the um, friends that I made, of course, are um, you think about them quite often. Um, one in particular, um, and we were both sergeants, and, and we were uh, at the Kaisan base at this point, and there was a. Artillery, mortar, and rocket attack. And we were in the, the uh, trenches uh, around the air base, and there was a rocket that came into our left and killed uh, six or seven Marines to my left. And when the dust cleared, uh, he looked at me and said, We could uh, fall into a bucket of shit and come out smelling like a rose. And uh, that always has stayed with me. And uh, he's like a brother to me, uh, you know, and our, not only our memories, but just to go ahead and, uh, you know, have that light moment at such a, you know, a depressing time, you know, that uh, it just showed you that uh, no matter how bad things get, there's always an upside. And uh, that's something that uh, we all need to remember, that uh, no matter how far, you know, we feel that we're, we're down, we've fallen, there's always... Uh, you know, hope and uh, light at the end of the tunnel. So, And that's another reason why I'd like to go ahead and volunteer and, and help uh, people at this time, so.
0: Was there, maybe, and maybe it's something you've just said, but what phrase or lesson do you think has stuck with you forever since your time um, in the military, or from your time in the military?
2: Um. Phrase. I don't, go ahead. I, as far you know, as the phrase is concerned,
1: yeah, I... I would have to go back to boot camp and and say that the uh, the thing that is, I guess, built. Uh, you know, my uh, inner drive and in that is that um, you can accomplish anything if you uh, want it bad enough and uh, you uh, apply not only your physical but mental uh, capability. So I think that for me, um, the thing that I always take away from the experience is the fact that um, if you want it enough, desire uh, is the, I think the key that opens up um, uh, all possibility in all of our lives. So uh, desire for me is something that, you know, gives you motivation, uh, clarity, and uh, will help you get to the finish line. So.
0: Has it been difficult uh, for either of you to talk to other people about your military service?
2: Mine was so easy as far as the military service is concerned. Um, It's it's pretty easy for me to talk to other people um, because I was stateside the whole time and there was the biggest thing that uh, I had to do was we started a fire out in California with the artillery. And the big thing was that we all were out there putting out the fire and that was, uh, how can you compare that to, you know, combat Mm -hmm. really? Mine was extremely easy. So I don't have any problems as far as talking to what I did in service anyway.
1: Uh, personally, Eric, I, I, um, stay away from talking about my military experience. Uh, I just feel that when I came back, and of course uh, the political and the social climate was uh, against the Vietnam War. And one thing we've learned since is that you do not to take uh, those uh, opinions uh, out on the uh, uh, the military um, You know, volunteers um, So the warrior, you have to stay hands off and then you can go ahead and have your own opinions about uh, the political and social side of it. But uh, we treat our warriors much more, uh, you know, with respect at this time. So I don't like to talk about my military experience. And I know that I was scarred uh, a great deal when I came home from overseas. And the thing that I always remember is that there are people that will go ahead and take stories and embellish until and, they own that story. And that rubbed me the wrong way when there's so much uh, uh, damage done to uh, the young people that served um, and gave their life to this country and what it stands for. So I, for that fact alone, I cannot stand to talk uh, about my military experience because, uh, uh I think it's a disservice, uh, and there are so many people that uh, abuse that that uh, uh, privilege to talk about their military experience by by um, not telling the entire truth about things. So I'd rather not, and I, I feel much better about it. I, you know, I'm glad to answer questions, but it's hard for me to just to go open up and that I'd rather talk about other people's uh, military experiences.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, one of the things I noticed in the Vietnam era, too, and uh, being an outsider looking in, it was, um, you know, people coming back from Vietnam were treated, you know, terribly. You know, people coming back from World War Two, World War One, they were heroes. And coming back to, you know, from Vietnam, you know, calling them, you uh, you know, child murders and all this kind of stuff. And I mean, it was terrible. As far as uh, me walking around with a uh, uniform on, uh, it was a little uh, disconcerting because you know, people were really nasty to you. Uh, things have changed since then, but this stuff, you know, stays with you. Um, it just doesn't go away. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. That's one of the things that you know I've taken away from from that era. Anyway, uh, I'm hoping that you know Korea and Afghanistan, Iraq. You know they're uh, they're treated better than what we were. You know mm-hmm. coming back.
1: That's my hope too, John. And yes. I think they are. Yeah, there's so many more people to recognize. Um, that it's so important to say thank you for your service. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, we need a strong military uh, to be uh, a leader in the world and to uh, protect our homeland Yes, so, That's mm-hmm. true. Mm-hmm.
0: So would you or why would you recommend, um, if you would, uh, young people to join the military today? Do you think that's something you would encourage someone to do?
2: Um, yes, um, team building, mm-hmm. that's one big thing that comes out, uh, leadership, uh, being able to, you know, work with other people to, you know, have a, uh, set objective and get it done. Um, it's, it's uh, and a lot of times you don't get it, you know, it's, you know, you're by yourself and, uh. It's your objective, but nobody else is going to be helping you. But you know, when you've got a team, you can get almost anything done,
1: OK? Yeah. I strongly would encourage uh, all young people, uh, male and female, to join the military. I think that uh, there's so much uh, that would uh, benefit you personally and add to your life and make you a much better person, like John said. Um, I think that two years, whether it's in the military or the Peace Corps uh, or some kind of a, a volunteer service uh, provides uh, uh, time to mature. It provides uh, friendships, uh, the, the value of, uh, you know, a team building, like John said, and gives you uh, an opportunity to kind of, uh, Uh, decide what you really want to do in life. So I think two years, uh, the minimum I've thought this way for many, many uh, years, uh, is so valuable to our young people that uh, I would definitely uh, advise military service. Uh, I have one caveat to that. I have several grand uh, sons, and my advice to them is uh, if you want to go ahead and join the service, which I would encourage you to do so, um, do so with uh, you know an occupation that, that you could build on later in life, and I would say if um, you could avoid uh, infantry or being a ground pounder in the army or marine corps, uh, avoid it and go into uh, you know the air force, the navy, uh, the coast guard, or into uh, the army or marines with a, uh, a technical skill. Um,
2: I do have to echo the one, as far as the two years. I think in this country now that I see it, a lot of people, uh, a lot of young people anyway, are expecting something for nothing. Um, they think that you know they deserve this, they deserve that. They don't know what the rest of the country or the rest of the world looks like. Um, and it gives you an appreciation of what you've got and uh, be appreciative and work for what you need, not expect something to be handed to you. And That's the Peace Corps something, uh, two years. I think it's great and it needs to be done. I would love to see that uh, in this country.
0: Well, gentlemen, thank you very much for uh, joining us today. And on behalf of everyone here at the VNA, um, thank you for your service and happy Veterans Day. Thank you, Erica.